Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. All right, everybody. What is today? Thursday, July 6, 2017. And so tonight... We are with our status correction secure party creditor coach, and we're going to have something of a like an informal discussion, I believe, about secure party creditor. Well, so is there is there new people on the call? Has everybody been around a while? It's kind of a mix. Oh, well, why don't we just start out with what questions? I think we're just kind of starting out. Let's kind of see where this goes with what kind of questions we got. All right. Because we haven't done this for a while, so there's probably people that um, are doing stuff and have questions about they tried this or they tried that, and maybe they liked the results, maybe they didn't. So, yeah, open it up for questions. So, Judy, do you guys have any questions about the whole UCC thing that you wanted to have clarified? Uh, Well, I am trying right now to make a whole sense of it. I know that I want to do it, and I understand the basis of it, and I feel as though I'm uh, getting the forms together from other people to um, help me out. Uh, But I'm, I'm not clear on what exactly happens after that and what what has to get notarized and uh, where actually they're beneficial. I know that's a loaded question, but um, sadly that's where I am. I'm at the, not the beginning of I just found it out, but not far from there. (laughs) So what are you going to try to do with it or what do you think you can do with it once you get that status? Uh, well, I would like to be able to uh, just know that I have uh, access to uh, being more sovereign and more in control of uh, what happens to me. I believe that if, if that's not right, but I, I don't know if that's right or not, but that's what I believe to be right. Okay. So are you thinking you want to pull out of the system or do you want to work with the system or... I would like to be uh, a little bit of both. Um, I don't see in our life where we'll cause any waves, but if a wave comes at us, I'd like to be able to say, oh, by the way, look at this. What kind of waves are you talking about? Uh, Fortunately, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) I I don't see anything. But, you know, with the wave, I don't don't believe in the... um, in the in the direction of uh, the economy, and I just would like to have a little more uh, control if things do go south. Oh. Well, over the years, a lot of people have said if it really goes south, none of this will make any difference. Maybe oh, really? Something I didn't hear. Well, I think what well, I, I don't believe it's going to go south. I 
no matter which way the government goes, um, the UCC is a way of making sure there's a proper lien in place that's, that's properly done. Sometimes you want to lean up something because you have damages. Sometimes you need to lean it up to protect your interest. That's that's more of what I've been helping people with is how to lean that birth certificate, make sure you're the title holder, and then when something comes along where you need to or want to use the title, then it's available for you to use. Exactly. That's that's exactly. I, I want everything in place, and then if I need it, then then there it is. Yeah. Well. Um, of course, a, a lot of I've looked at a lot of Ted and I a couple of years ago. We kept looking at different stuff people were doing, and we found out what most of it does wrong. Now here we are, a couple of years later, and there's a whole lot of stuff hitting the internet right now about do this and do that. And I think it's probably it's still all half rights and half wrongs. And uh, unless a person goes out and really starts doing it. You don't find out what kind of obstacles you come up against. One thing that we can tell you is that once you start on this process, it's a life learning thing of how to protect yourself, how to use your signature. And really, uh, there's not going to be just a few changes and maybe settle all your debts. Uh, I'm not sure how much you know about the system, but if they would ever let us really use the system like it was set up, put our ones in place and use our signature and our social, we wouldn't have any poverty. We wouldn't have any, nobody any medical insurance or nothing. But the powers of be have kept us from being able to, able to use that and understand how to use it. I think that's probably where you're going with that. Uh, yes, I, I I have been hearing that, but I don't know how how valid it is and I don't know how to, uh, to even... Uh, do it, honestly. Right. Well, the two easiest things to do that we teach are not necessarily state income taxes, but federal income taxes. And it looks like the states are getting ready to be in trouble with all these three or four states fixing to go belly up. Uh, and medical bills, big hospital bills. Over the years, we've been able to clear out hospital bills relatively easy. I've got a couple of people that have um, actually gone out and did the work and have got their own private insurance bonds, which that's getting pretty far down the rabbit hole, but it's possible and it works. You just become self-insured. So, yeah, it's all it's all on the paperwork, and you can look right now, and there's people all over the Internet. We'll do this and do that and go into court and change your name, and I, I still firmly believe it's a matter of properly claiming back, leaning that paper, noticing the people that you have to notice, and then writing the instrument to make it so. And as far as I know, Treasury is still accepting the paper uh, and still allowing us to settle debt with it. So is, so, is that the uh, A for V thing that I hear about? Well, there's a lot of different things about the A for V because... In this system where we're only on fiat currency, the A for B is, okay, uh, you want to buy that car, kid? Well, yeah, Mr. Dealer. I ex how much is it? $5,000. Oh, I accept that for value. Well, what's that mean after you accepted it for value? 
you accepted the offer, but you still have to make an offer of a tender to settle the debt. And that's, I mean, when people started on this 15, 20 years ago, the IRS, they'd let you take a bill and put accepted for value on it, put your social on it, charge the same too, and they'd put it through. And technically, you have to have offer and acceptance. And then after you have the offer and you have the acceptance, then you have to offer tender or payment. So, yeah, the AFB, it still works. We accept a lot of stuff for value because in this system, that's the only way you can claim it as your collateral. Accept it, register it. But, you know, every time, um, I guess you know on your telephone bill, electric bill, you got the bill on the top and then you got a coupon on the bottom. Yes. And that coupon, that means they've already accessed your social security account or did the federal offset against that and they're trying to collect twice on it. Now, I don't know if you ever heard of Judge Dale, but Judge Dale says, no, just sign that, I accept your offer and send it back to him. Um, it doesn't work that way exactly. Now, I've heard of people, and I've never did this because I don't really have a power bill, but um, if you're going to open an account, you'd have to open your electric account with the accepted for value and put some kind of bond on deposit with them. And uh, that's a little bit harder to do these days. Uh, the latest thing going around is to uh, do the accepted for value, find your routing number for the Federal Service account, and put your number on the back of the card on it and send it through. But my only problem with that is that unless you have properly leaned your birth certificate and filed a proper lien on that number, that's not really our number. That's their number, even though it's got our name on it. So I'm, I'm still waiting to see. In the last month, that thing on the accepted value came back around, and it's really easy to get your the routing number for those Federal Reserve banks. But I want to see how much of that sticks and how long people stay with it, because what we do in this, we've with an IRS debt, we'll register the debt and then assign it back to them and turn their coupon into a money order. And uh, uh, there's been some guys teaching that for 15 years, and it works with a few little things that you've got to know how to endorse the back of the money order, how to use a 1040V or a 1040ES, and then how to write the acceptance, which is the accepted for value. And separate the instruments. You have to separate them. I talked to a guy just last week, called me, wondered why his AFB wasn't working. I said, first question was, are you cutting the coupon from the bill? Why, no, they didn't tell us that. So it's still one instrument if you do it that way. And it it doesn't always work. Um, Most of the time it does. And when it doesn't, I don't know if it's because the companies don't send it in, uh, if they want to steal it. Uh, I know with the IRS we've run into a lot of stuff with the artificial intelligence that the computer, it'll kick the debt all around the country, and then after four or five times, we send it to the right place and get a real live person, and then we get rid of it. Okay? So, I don't know if I confused you on that or not, because everybody, oh, well, just say it and send it off, and I wish it was that simple, but it's it's not really. Uh-huh. No? Yeah. So, so to to uh, to start the whole process, what would be the first thing you would do with the UCC one? If if that's a fair question. 
I would file a UCC 11 and make for sure if there were any liens already against the name because how are you going to file a lien and be in first position if there's already a lien on your name? The UCC 11 is a request for information. So file that in the state where you do a lot of business. Now, I've had girls I worked with before that have been married twice or three times and changed their name. So we actually filed, you know, uh, two or three UCC 11s in the different names to make sure there weren't no liens against that name. Then you can go ahead and proceed to do the one. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Now, another, I, another thing I'm, I'm continually confused on is um, my birth certificate, obviously, is in my maiden name. And, yeah. and now um, I use my, my married name. So do I have to use both names? Like when I fill out the information of the, of the debtor, I put my uh, Judas Protesto on there, and then uh, for the for the other one, I put my other my married name. Yeah, you got to claim both debtors because the certificate is in the first the married maiden name. So all the paperwork, a lot of times, it depends on the person. But sometimes, especially with the girls, I won't even do if you're married. Won't even do the married name necessarily the first time. Wait and add it in later. Get everything squared away with the, the maiden name. Get everything claimed and noticed and on file at the treasury and then bring the married name in and add it in and amend the three for an additional debtor, which you can do. No problem. Oh, okay, because that, that's very confusing because when you sign it, I would have to sign it my... Uh you know, the, the wet ink signature, I would have to sign it with uh, my my married name now, wouldn't I? That's right, but, that's right, but the married name is a secured party. The maiden name is a debtor. We were talking about debtors. Okay, that okay, okay. So on the, on the one form, it would always have to be t uh, both ways. The debtor would be the maiden and the... Uh, and the well, uh, you, I've had people that did it put the the maiden name and the married date down first and second better. And then a secured party would be your married name. Okay. If you were divorced, okay. if you were divorced, you might still have stuff out there where you claimed the married name as a debtor and reverted back to having your maiden name as a secured party. I don't wanna I I don't want to get you confused, but that's a pretty universal form and a lot of times with those names it depends on how you're using the name with the which one do you want to pick for the secured party? Yeah, I totally, I totally understand how that could get confusing with uh, if you're divorced. Fortunately, uh, I don't have to do that. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 You know, but the, but uh, that's 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 a very that's a very valid point on which way you can use it different ways. So that's really awesome. Right. So if you've been, if let's say you've been married ten years, I'm just guessing. I don't have a clue. Been married ten years, so you put. Both debtor, both names down as debtor, on the one, you're you're pretty well done. Um, when you do the threes and start adding in collateral, you're going to add in the marriage certificate so you get a lien filed on it, and uh, then operating as a secured party, um, you're good to go. You know, if you've been been married ten years, you've been using that name long enough that the married name's not probably not out there in commerce except at the governmental levels. 
So even if uh, nowadays a lot of married couples file their taxes separately instead of jointly, which I always recommend because it gets a real booger trying to figure your taxes and check out of the system when you're filing jointly. That's a whole different deal. But um, um, the forms are, are, are universal. You can do a lot of stuff, a lot of different stuff with them once you get into it. And, and, and that's a lot of what's, what we do is how to use those forms correctly so they work to your advantage when you've got to have it. Okay, so you you help with this whole process. I'm gathering. Well, I, what what I like to do is to make sure that people, if I do it for you, you don't learn anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm like so, the old school teacher that put that together. Here's a template. Um, there may be, and I tell people, oh, you're going to find a mistake or two in here. You better read through the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> we may we may have a workshop coming up in a couple of months or so. Yeah. We can go through A to Z. Yeah, just how to just, we could spend a whole day. Tad knows this. We could spend a whole day just on how to fill out the forms, um, just to accept collateral. It's a whole different deal when you're learning how to do assignments. I don't know if you've had any experience with mortgages, and they go, "Oh, we just assigned a new servicer," and is that a legal assignment? Is it an illegal assignment? Is it a perfected assignment? You know, and, and when it comes to learning out these forms and, and leaning up something, a, a, it takes a little bit longer, but a person really wants to understand how the assignment works. Okay. I'll, t- I'll tell you real quick the reason that's important. I've got it. I owe you a debt. I can assign that debt other people and it can actually become an asset okay they're like um, that sounds kind of weird but it does work that way it can be borrowed again so if I got an IRS debt and I I accept it create an instrument and sign it back to them then that's an asset that they can actually borrow against and that's why in these mortgages that's why the lender oh we assign it to this person we assign it to that person and Basically, it's a way they keep making money off of the same interest eight, nine, or ten times. So they have to properly assign it, and it's got to be registered on a tree to make it effective or perfected. So, and every now here's something else. I'm not sure what what state you live in, but every state, even though it says Uniform Commercial Code, you can go to the um, ACA. Uh, the uh, Association of Commercial Administrators, and you can look up the different rules because even though it's a universal form, there's some states that still have their own state form, and they're very similar, but there can be little bitty differences. And so to, depending on what state a person is, if it's not one I've worked with or don't remember, I always go look them up and make sure we're all on the same page because here in Florida, and I teach you how to use the standard nationwide form, and you realize there's a Florida form that is more effective when you're working in Florida, and you need to know how to fill out that Florida form that's the state form, not the necessarily the uniform national standard. Okay? That I know of California, uh, Nevada, or not Nevada, but California, Florida, and New York, and there's several other states, but those are the three that come to mind that do still use their own state forms 
besides the national standard. Okay, and you're you're talking about the the UCC. Yep, yep. The UCC is state law, and the federal government has to follow the state law da, 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 through the District of Columbia. So yeah, that's. I heard that uh, I should file that through uh, Puerto Rico. Is that wrong? What, what are you What are you filing through Puerto Rico? Uh, the UCC one. Only in Puerto Rico. Yes. Is that wrong? Where do you What, what state do you live in? Virginia. Well, then I would file it in Virginia and deposit it to Puerto Rico. What do you mean by depositing it? Like send a copy to it? I get it filed in Puerto, get it filed in in um, um, Virginia, and then make your deposit and open an account. And use it to open an account in Puerto Rico. Okay. Well, you just threw me a curveball. What do you mean by opening up an account? That was a, that was a fastball, not a curveball. <laughs> Well, whoever told you, okay, it would be okay if you lived in Puerto Rico. I'd say, yeah, go ahead and file it in Puerto Rico. But if you don't live there, why are you filing there? You have to file where you're living to protect yourself and have the proper liens in place. But to open an account that you're going to work with and build assets into the account to have something to work with on commercial paper, that's when you open an account. You have to have it registered and you start... Once you get that account, you can deposit collateral into it and build value in the account. And when, you, when you're doing that, um, everything we're working with on these instruments is just commercial paper. So you, you want to have it set up so you know how to put stuff into the Treasury, and that's why they're saying go to Puerto Rico, because the private side of Treasury is down in Puerto Rico. And I, I, I may be wrong about this, but I think the liens are coming some of those are coming out of the Philippines because the IRS is in Philippines too. Jeez. So um, for years I've worked with, with D.C. I've sent stuff to Puerto Rico pretty regular. And, but there's, you know, there's 13 Federal Reserve banks and five or six or maybe even eight of them can act as a treasury for the United States depending on what they're doing. Okay. So, um, okay, so, so when when you when I file now in Virginia, and then when you say to open the account, then filing the UCC is UCC one is file is opening an account, and then when I want to deposit into it, that means that if I ever I uh, purchase something new, then I have to fi uh, file a new form and add it into that account. Is that what you're talking about, or yeah, am I finance? A financing statement is a notice of a financial relationship. When you file a three, that secures the interest. So if you file a one on the birth certificate, you're putting them on notice, and then you use a three to amend it and add collateral. So what I would do, I would do an 11, make sure I'm in first position. Then I would file a UCC1 properly. I would take a registered mail sticker that's also been claimed on the the one when I'm setting up the financial relationship. Once I got the one financing statement filed in Virginia, then I would take everything that I got filed, put an envelope with a registered mail sticker, the same registered mail number that I claimed on the one, and 
send it off to Puerto Rico. Okay? okay. And then when you do a three, when you register a three at the state level, you have to do the same thing, only usually a lot of times, uh, depending on what the instruments are, we might go ahead and use a, another registered mail sticker or it could be certified, depending on what kind of instrument it is. I mean, you, you, I guess you know the registered mail is the only private mail list because it's mm-hmm. really the only thing that goes hand-to-hand-to-hand, to hand to hand, and that's why we're using it. And registered mail sticker number stays good forever. Certified sticker numbers can disappear after, I don't know, five or six years. They just disappear out of the computer. But the registered mail numbers stay there forever once they've been put in the system. Okay, I did not know that. Yeah, no. You're getting ready. Cat will tell you I'm about three miles down the rabbit hole, and it sounds like you're just starting to scratch the surface with your shovel. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yes. And of course, the more information I find out, the more it just gets confusing. It really Well, that's part of our job is to simplify it so we can get a handle on it and understand what's going on and then build from there because if you get if you're starting out and confused then I would suggest don't really go any further until you understand where you're at. And that's that's what our job is, is to coach a person so that they understand, you know, and everybody progresses at a different rate, so you know, that's part of the coaching. Okay. So the coaching, I I guess you can find online on that. Uh... Not quite yet. Oh, okay, okay. Well, yeah, it's it's private for tra- pri- proprietary information. <laughs> now, I'll guarantee you, right now, there's a there's probably I'm going to guess there's between fifteen and twenty on the internet that charge anywhere from. A thousand to ten thousand dollars to do their secured party process, and a lot of people are saying, "Oh, you have to go in and change the name. You can't do this. You can't do that till you change the name." And the courts are blocking people from doing this and doing that. One or two people will get something through, but what they haven't been able to block, and it still works. And this is why we always called it old school, is how to to properly claim and notice people of a lien and a financial relationship, okay? I mean, and, and Tad knows I don't like using the straw person name. To me, it's an alternate entity. Um, the one thing that is really value if you're going to do something in that name is to get it registered as doing business in that name, okay? And that's once you get a little bit further down the rabbit hole now, it really throw you a curve. Because a lot of this stuff, once you get understanding what's happening, you want to take that secured party relationship and flip it into a trust and be working as a trust so you can deal with the equity of things. That was a curveball right there. That wasn't a hardball or a fastball. Okay. Well, now I understand why so many people give up. <laughs> well, yeah, because, okay, here, here's the thing. I got a trust about five or six years ago, and uh, now I use the trust almost exclusively. Um, I'm doing business as the trust, 
I have a filing or financing statement on the trust and been putting about three years ago, putting most of my assets into the trust. And uh, uh, that's your absolute protection. Uh, knowing how to use the all capital letters name and having control of that certificate where you're actually a title holder is one thing. But when you, once you get far enough on and understand why and how people are using these trusts to operate in commerce, you know, once once you get the basics down of secured party and how these financing statements are done and deposit here and deposit there, then in my opinion, it's time to start understanding trust because trust in estate law, that's really what's going to get you down there. The learning how to do the financing statements and being a secured party and properly having control of your birth certificate is like a beginning step of how to do the rest of it. But for years, they said the Kennedy Trust was one of the most powerful. And that Kennedy Trust, it's only like three or four pages. It's a real simple trust. There's some people out there right now selling these trusts for three or $4,000, and they're 40 pages. And they're not any, they're really not much better than one that's like three or four pages with the correct information on it of what you're attempting or want to do with the trust. Once you understand how to use the Uniform Commercial Code by doing your birth certificate and becoming secured, then at, at a certain point in time when you understand that, then you can understand how the trust will work and how people are registering their assets, keep it in the trust, and it's a true asset protection. Okay? Which is to me, that's that's where it's at right now. Is letting people understand how this code works, making sure they're secured, that they're in control of their their own paper, the birth certificate, and then being able to put that in trust so nobody can take it from them, and they can continue using it. Okay. Yeah, I, I that know. Helped, that did that clarify that some? Uh, <laughs> yes, it it did. I I know the first. The the thing that I want to aspire to is getting the UCC one, um, but I've I've been told that you have to get your name copyrighted and get all this stuff notarized and then put it on um, you know put it put it out for public uh, notice and all that kind of stuff and then you can get the UCC one, but you're telling me that's not even true. No, I didn't say that. You never asked me about copyright. Oh, I'm sorry. Because uh, the copyright notice, like I did a copyright 15 years ago. I just did the copyright and put it up on the county where I was born and left it on the notice for 30 days. I noticed the county if I had copyright. And I don't use it very much because I have liens on my name. And if I'm working in commerce, I either create a new financing statement for what I'm doing or I amend one of the older financing statements, okay? So there's a, that's one of the things right there, what you just brought up. I don't know if Tad and I sit here, we could probably think of six or seven things that we've seen people do over the years that, oh, we got to do this. we got to go do this right now. Let's go to court and change our name. <laughs> well, what did you do when you change your name? If you don't have – if you've got a proper clean and you notice that your body proper – of what you just did, then what else is there? Notice is everything. So I'm not so sure. And, and oh, this guy just got millions of dollars. I have yet to see anybody successfully. And if they have, then they disappeared when they did it. 
Okay, I can admit it. So um, the SESTIC Trust or the Social Security Trust at the Federal Reserve, that's their money. Under more and more circumstances, they're beginning to allow us to use it. But it's because people have a proper lien against it and understand how to use their signature and how to access those. Now, this guy that got promoted, just take their number, their routing number, and the number off the back of your card, and go ahead and do an AFB and pay your debts. I really hope that works. But in years past, didn't work so good because they get reversed in a week or 10 days. So, and if you do have a lien on that, a proper lien on it, you better send the lien papers along. Um, now, the, the, the trick might be this ACH, the automatic clearinghouse, some of this stuff is getting so computerized that if you do it first correctly the first time on the ACH, they may go through because nobody's checking. But the interesting part about this, if it is going through, it's canceling debt. You understand about that one? Uh, yeah, it's actually helping the economy. Right, it is because once you, you zero that account, there's no more debt there for them to collect interest on. So that's that's what we're really hoping with some of the stuff that's coming down right now that I hope they do open that up and let us do that because in years past it hadn't, but with the ACH done proper, you know, um, let it go through and uh, uh, it's going to zero debt. It's the same thing. Um, I don't know how much you've been in the code, but uh, United States Code 12 U.S.C. 411 is lawful money. And you can take your, that, put when you write after you take your payroll check and write underneath or on the back of it, put demand is made for lawful money for Title 12 U.S.C. 411. And even though you don't really notice what that happens when you get your tax return out, there's a place on the tax return for lawful money. And you, when you put that you were paid in lawful money, they can't tax it. You get 100% of everything back. Now that I know of, Wells Fargo is one of the only banks left that will take a check that's had demand is made lawful money on it. Bank of America won't take them. Chase won't take them because they can't, they can't put that out there and sell it. If it's lawful money, they can't really bond it out. You know, they can't bundle it and sell it. How about that? That's pretty <laughs> darn interesting. Now, when, when you're talking about the ACH, is is that where uh, you opened up an account and then you closed it and you used that routing number and whatnot? No, is that's that a closed bank account. I would never tell people to use a closed bank account because it's too tricky and it'll get you in trouble. Automated yeah, yeah, that's, that's what. HH is automated clearing house. Okay, the, I I don't know what that is at all. Then. Way of payment. Yeah. yeah. No, no. I know it's like a, a credit card thing, but I don't know how to. I don't understand it in this context. Yeah, it's 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 a little more complicated, but you, you, once you, I don't have any debt, so it doesn't do me any good to set one up. Okay, so the people that have different debts, um, car loans and this and that, they're saying, and that's what this this one guy on the internet's been promoting. Uh, I don't remember the guy's name, but um, you could you can get on Google and 
ACH and see what comes up. But uh, you basically fill out the form and put the bank routing number and the bank account number on there and turn it in. What what and bank then, account number? Like you put a reserve routing number and the number on the back of your social security card, which is the actual account number. But before I did that, I'd want to have it leaned up to where I could prove it was mine, or at least had a lien on it. Okay, and that's what the UCC one is, right? Right. In 2001, they changed the financing statement. The UCC one is notice of a financial relationship. And to perfect that interest, you have to file a three to perfect the interest. So what I, I file, when we do, we do a security agreement, then we, do, we claim a, a registered mail sticker number to be an account number. We do a hold harmless indemnity so that the real person is indemnifying or the, and the entity is indemnifying each other. Then we... Um, couple other documents we put in there, revocation of election. I still like using the older documents, termination of franchise and tax exempt one status. Claim that financial relationship. Even claim the authenticated birth certificate on it. And then when we do a three, we'll, we'll re-enter a lot of that stuff to perfect the interest. Now, prior to 2001, a financing statement was the true lien. And that's why they changed it, because you have to have notice before you can lean something. Not out there being noticed, you know. Uh, I can't come in and take your car. Hey, uh, you're late on the payments. Here's a notice. If you don't pay up this week, I'm coming and getting your car. If they just show up and steal that car, which that's what they're doing, without giving you notice that the payment's overdue and you've got a week to make up payments so they're coming and getting the car, they're illegal. You've got to have notice. Look at all the IRS stuff. Notice this, notice that. And so the notice is really extremely important. And that's what the UCC one is. It's a notice, a financial relationship. Okay. So does that answer you? Got your... a lot of, yeah. You got a lot of good questions here. Did somebody coach you on questions? <laughs> Pat, did you put it up to this? I did. Well, no. No, that's no. That's I'm, good. I'm, uh, I'm seriously trying to figure this out, and I have a, a goal to get it done by my birthday, which is August, the beginning of August, and um, I just feel as though oh, every those, time I, I feel, I you're find something. You're a lioness, huh? Yes, yes, I am. Um, but I feel like every time I, I feel as though I'm getting close, I get totally confused again. Because I'll read so something and then it won't make sense. Oh, what do you read something that does make sense? Uh, only when I write it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, no, no. I mean, all of this is so ridiculous. When when I and I just wish, um, I just uh, wish that they would would teach you this in school <laughs> way back when. Oh God. They can't teach you this in school. Then they'd have to give up the system. Exactly, exactly. But it's a, uh, it's quite eye-opening. And then you you almost don't want to believe it. And then you do more research and you find out that it's all true. And uh, and then you're you're yeah. in this, this thing of okay, how can I how can I uh, succeed in getting this done? And it's uh, very difficult. 
Okay, here's one. This is not a question to confuse you, but you've obviously looked at this stuff, so you're going to put your all capital letters name down as a debtor. Are you an organization or an individual? Uh, oh, I'm an organization. Uh, actually, aren't oh. I a corporation? Oh, really? You don't. You cannot claim that status till you lean it up. You are an individual. That all capital letters name is an individual. The federal government and the state government own that all capital letters name. So if you put down an organization, you're you're claiming their organization before you really have a right to. So we've been fighting that for years. The all capital letter name should be. And Anna Von Reitz is telling everybody, file it on your all capital letter name as an organization. And I don't advocate that. I for 15 years, we file as the individual, and then at a later time, if you want to file against it, we already have the lien in place where we've noticed them with the own that entity, and or at least lien it up. I guess owning it is the wrong word. It's leaned up. It's still their entity because they created it, and and that causes a rub, you know, for people filing with that name as the organization because it's not our it's. It's not even our name. It's an artificial entity that's considered an individual by all statutory rules and regulations. Wow. Okay. The people over the years, the people over the years that have put the all capital letters name as an organization wonder why this stuff doesn't work and why they have so many problems because. We can lean it up as an individual. We can lean that name and properly notice the state and the feds and everybody that we're filing the paperwork on it to control it, that it's still theirs, and we've got to lean against it to control it and use it as ours. Probably never heard it put that way, huh? No, not not at all. I, I heard actually the total opposite. Yeah. We've found out over the years that there's a lot of disinformation out there, and that's what gets people in trouble. Okay, so legally, if you're in a civil case or a criminal case, what happens with the first defect? With the with the what? The person what? First defect. Something's defective. What happens when they find the first defect? Everything stops until that defect is corrected. So if you're filing a financing statement and the very first space on it is wrong, then nothing else is valid after that. Okay, that makes sense. So that's why we don't claim, and I don't advocate that the all capital letters name is the organization. It is an organization, but it's not our organization. So we've kept it as an individual until we get control of it, and we still control it as an individual. Okay, that that makes per- perfect sense. Yeah. I just go find old Byron Bunce. They almost put him in jail for teaching people how to use the uh, all capital letter name as an organization. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't yeah, I, I don't know who he is, fortunately. <laughs> he was a, he's a, he was a very smart guy that they kinda back in two thousand, two thousand one they they helped to get rid of him. <laughs> uh, it's like, have you heard of silver bonds? No. 
Okay, it is true you can write a silver bond for 21 silver dollars and use that as an asset to back debt. But you can't just put the silver dollars in a safe and say you're, you're holding it. You've got to put them in a bank in some kind of trust obligation or in a safety deposit box where they'll, you know, it's not yours that can be accessed with a third-party witness that's in there or it's not an effective bond. I've been working for months to get a, a bank that will let me do an open indentured trust with 21 silver dollars, and I guess I just haven't found the right bank yet. Sooner or later, I'll find one that will let me do it. But the big banks won't. They just laugh at you because they know the value of it. Huh. Well, this this has uh, been very eye-opening. Oh, we're just still got a rake scratching the surface. We ain't even started digging a hole yet. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, baby steps. Uh, I guess first I'll do the uh, copyright and then do the UCC uh, 11 and then the UCC 1 in Virginia and then file the uh, finance amendment in Virginia after that, correct? Is that Puerto yeah. in Puerto Rico or in Virginia? I would follow Virginia and then mail it to Treasury in Puerto Rico to open an account. I'm still a little confused with the opening the account, but that's just a paper uh, paper stating everything you own, all your assets, right? Right, and letting them Treasury know that you've got a proper lien against it, where that those are your assets you're depositing in. And, okay. holding them, and, they, and they hold them in trust. That's why see, I won't even do electronic filings because there's nothing for the state to hold in trust. Oh, okay. Okay. That makes sense. Okay, and then when, when they get everything, now, so here we put our car on the, the uh, UCC3, that's the amendment, and we send it to Puerto Rico, and we have, I know we have authority to sell it, but do we have to then notify them that we sold it? Yeah, you have to do an X3 that you're removing collateral. Okay, so it's a, it's constant paperwork, but that's no big deal. I mean, it is, but not really. Well, I usually, you know, it's only big, usually big ticket items. You know, you're not registering your toothbrushes and stuff. Right, right. So, you know, you know we, I, I've given you a lot of information, but uh, I'm sure you you can find out how to fill out these ones and threes. But there's there's different ways to fill them out to make them effective, and uh, you want to just make sure you got it filled out right. Have somebody review it that's done them, you know, and really knows because. Um, it's like I always tell people, um, the post office, I have a private post office box, which is for public mail, and then I have a real address that is, you know, it's private because it's private because there's no use except to mail it, uh, private mail publicly or publicly privately. So to keep that public and keep everything separated, a lot of times, 
I recommend people have a private post office box. They're not too much. Of course, if you travel like I do, this really helps, and you don't have to worry about what happens to your mail laying at home in a post office or in a in a mailbox. Right. Yeah. So does that answer your questions? <laughs> there's, there's a lot more to it, and yeah, we'll probably hold a workshop here pretty soon. Go from A to Z. That would be very beneficial. Okay. Sign me up. <laughs> All right. All right, yeah. so we're going to open up the call to see if anybody else has any other questions. Okay. And so uh, I know we got somebody from Orange County or something like that. If anybody has any questions, hit star six on your phone, or you can type it into the chat. And if not, they will probably close down the call. Oh, no, Mr. Bill. <laughs> <laughs> all right, any more questions at all? Type it how into the people, chat. How many people do you think we got on here right now? One, two, three, four, five, six. We had well, as many as had, ten. I couldn't have done that good a job of explaining it. Somebody's got to have some questions. Um, Peace, love, joy, and harmony might be calling in. I don't know. If she's going to, she needs to let me know because I think we're about to hang it up. Well, one thing I'd say on all the questions you had, and Judy, was that your name? Yes. That there is a lot of disinformation about, oh, you need to file this and file that. And uh, we've found out over the years that there's like four or five documents, including the doing business as, that you can file that cover everything. And then uh, making sure the lien's in place and... uh, once you understand how to create a bond and bond all that up together so you're really in control of the birth certificate, that's just as good as anything else. There's there's several things that people have been coming up with in courts that are a little bit different, but even with those, I haven't seen them work every time. It's like you get in front of a judge and go, oh, that's good, now tell everybody. And then the same thing goes in front of a different judge and he doesn't accept it. So that's that's part of the problem. And it's not because they're not using a good process. It's because the judges have got enough latitude that when one thing works, something else doesn't, unless you kick it back into the tax system and the right commercial paper, then you can kind of force them to do what's got to be done. Okay, so we got somebody else that's uh, called in that is ready to go. Genevieve! <laughs> what's going on? Tatsky! Long time no here, Ski. Yeah. And hello, Coach. Hey, how you doing, girl? I'm good. I'm good. I got a couple questions for you. Only two? Hey, her questions can take all night. (laughs) (laughs) No, not her. No, actually, I I really actually only do have two questions, I think. Um, Okay. uh, So, regarding the UCC-1, if the debtor is um, a fiction, right? Uh, on the private non-negotiable security agreement, mm-hmm. how can 
how can anyone consult directly with the debtor? Because they'd have to consult well, with a, a real live person, the secured party. Right. So, so the statement that's on the UCC one says if anybody has any questions or needs to discuss this, that they can consult directly with the debtor. So that doesn't make any sense to me. I, ju- I was just that's looking over, uh, looking it over today, and going, hmm. That's what part of that whole harmless indemnity agreement, and why it's private between the parties. If somebody does have a question with the debtor, they're going to do it in writing directly to it, and the secured party, by being the secured party, can answer for the debtor as the authorized agent. Oh, okay. And actually, we've been told in the past on those security agreements, some people are still uh, entering them into the public, but it's not exactly the same security agreement, but you should get a pretty high several million dollar co-claimant fee to review that. And actually, unless it's like a federal judge or somebody, uh, I've never had anybody want to look at my security agreement. You know, just like on a mortgage. You know, you think about that. People put these security agreements out on mortgages, and they don't ever read them. Okay. Well, when just, you, when, uh, excuse me. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, someone um, mentioned uh, uh, the concept of a self-serving instrument. And so it kind of strikes me that that this particular uh, private security agreement is somewhat self-serving because, because I'm writing it, and just because I put the debtor's name in all caps doesn't really mean that that there's a real debtor. You know, that is... So there, there is because... The Social Security card is created in that name, and they own that entity. And so when we file a lien against it, we have to work with that commercial entity. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, and then That's on why that... I was tell- Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> and then on that, on that uh, private security agreement, then, then there are two signatures on the bottom, and so I'm actually signing for the all caps name, and then I'm signing as me. It, it just it just doesn't the all make sense. Letter name, the other, but the all capital letter name has to be printed. Exactly, all but caps. nevertheless, then you can leave it. You can leave it blank too. Oh really? Huh. I've had. I don't. I would just go ahead and print the all capital letter name there. Because we've already got a lien on it that's the all capital letter name. And then now, actually, you know, did you ever mess with the GSA forms? No. That form 91 and 24? Well, on those, when you do them right, we don't sign for the all capital letter name. Leave that blank because the court or whatever entity you're dealing with, they will have, and usually it's a governmental entity, they have permission through the government sign for that entity so those are always left blank on those forms on a security agreement I've always told people for years you're not signing it you're printing the all capital letter name there not a signature you can even put an X there and the IRS would recognize it as an X oh I like that 
And and what about the hold harmless? Again, would that be a situation? Same thing. Same thing. Same thing. You can either put an X there or print the all capital letters name. Oh, great. But the all capital letter entity can't sign for anything. It's an artificial entity. uh, Of course. And and that's what that's what made me go, hmm, I need to ask Coach this question. This burning yeah. question. <laughs> well, it's a good question. It's a it's a good question. It's a valid question. Thank you. <laughs> because that's why I mean, years ago when I first started doing this, um, before I quit doing became a non filer. I'm not a tax protester, I'm listed technically as a non filer. Um, one of the last returns I ever did, uh, they wrote me a letter and said, well, we need your authorization to uh, pay you your refund. So I printed my all-capital-letter name on the signature line, and I got my refund in about 72 hours. Wow. So. Wow. Well, good. That's, you know, the entity responded. That was that. Okay. Well, that was my big that was that was it. <laughs> I don't that have was a only one question. That was only one question. No, I asked. I asked two, maybe three. <laughs> but oh. it was all on the same topic. Don't worry, I'll be getting more <laughs> for you. <laughs> all right. All right. All right, Genevieve. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Dad. All right, we got one more question for the evening. How many agencies must you notice for what? I don't know. Well, I don't agree with the Tim Turner method where he noticed 18 agencies. I do business mostly with the Treasury and the IRS, so I notice the Treasury, two different parts of the Treasury, Puerto Rico and D.C., and I notice about six or seven levels or offices of the IRS, federal office, regional, because there's the East and West Clearinghouse, there's Ogden, there's Kansas City, there's Austin, there's Memphis, there's, um, I guess, Sacramento is another big one so that they're properly noticed because that's who we do business with. If I was doing business all the time with the Department of Transportation or Department of Commerce or those, then I would notice them as necessary for when I was doing business. Oh, Genevieve lied. She has another question. <laughs> she didn't What? She, she just thought of another one. Yes, I did. Um, you were saying earlier that... Um, Mm-hmm. Where is it now? Oh, so you were telling um, the other gal that she needs to file in her home state. Mm-hmm. And then and then do something in Puerto Rico. And I'm wondering, uh, I filed my, uh, that is, I recorded my UCC in Arkansas. Do mm-hmm. I need to do anything here in Oregon? Do I need to? Not until not until you had. I wouldn't say. I would. I wouldn't do it until I had something that pertained to Oregon. Like okay, I've been helping this a couple of people with mortgages, and what we were doing with because Arkansas is a good state to file in. We'd file there because certain states won't hardly let you file. We would wait till we get the filing how we wanted it in regards to the mortgage. And then we would enter that filing into the state where the property actually was. Okay? Okay. Yeah, and I guess we don't really have anything here in Oregon that that needs to be. Right. 
that's that's on the UCC three. So, so yeah. Right. And okay. The, the reason that is is because certain states, they they've got to where, and and Nevada is the state I'm talking about because they've they've got so weird that the um, county recorder won't hardly let you file anything regarding your own property, even though you own it. They'll let banks and attorneys file stuff, but if you walk in there. Oh well, we reviewed this, and the county attorney says you can't file this. Well, there's a lot of stuff having to do with ownership and grantors that you can file in another state. You get it all filed together, then they have to file it at the Secretary of State's in Nevada because they can't say, "Oh, you filed that in Arkansas; it's no good." That's that's against the Commerce Clause. So that's some of the only ways, because of the way these property rights have been affected that you can really protect your property rights. And I, I've never, I don't know much about Virginia. That's what she was asking about. But if there's much of a problem there, um, she's on the East Coast. Um, Kentucky and Florida are pretty easy to file in. Uh, you could file there and then bring it back into Virginia before you went and sent it off to open an account at either D.C. or Puerto Rico. So, Do you have any like, do you have any idea why um, why it would be advantageous to her to uh, file something in Puerto Rico? It's not filing. It's putting the assets in Treasury to build value in your accounts. Well, why in Puerto but, Rico rather than just sending it to the Treasury here in wherever well, because, the Treasury is? Well, we've, for a long time we've sent only to Washington, D.C., but... The home office and the private side of the treasury is really in Puerto Rico. Oh, so, okay. uh, I, I get that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people had good success with getting stuff discharged out of Puerto Rico and didn't have success in Washington. And then other people have had just the opposite effect. So uh, but for how it is right now, uh, I would have everybody go ahead and file them, or not file, but do their deposits in Puerto Rico. Really? So dealing with Treasury in Puerto Rico. Yeah. Oh. Okay. It, it was kind of iffy there for a while. We thought they were going to shut it down. But then um, Puerto Rico, uh, they really haven't been bailed out. You know, So the federal government really is bankrupt. Oh. You know, above board. They're not talking about it, but it's there. Yeah. Uh, they're probably in receivership right now. And uh, I really think it's a joke these guys... These senators, they go, oh, my God, we're going to be bankrupt. Well, go to the United States Code Attitude. They've been bankrupt since 33, and if you really want to get technical, it goes back to the War of 18 and 12. They never paid any debts. They just kept reorganizing. Oh, boy. Two years, two years ago, they got, they got told by the IMF no more reorganization. Now they're in receivership. So. Well, that's something that... We'll that's something that Anna von Reitz has been um, bringing to people's right. attention. Right, exactly. Follow and that's why, out. yeah, but see, what you're talking about is exactly why earlier when I was talking with that other girl about the ACH, that may be the only reason they're allowing those to go through because they need to cancel debt. And if they don't do the ACHs, if they allow people to do it, then the debts start getting canceled and it starts wedging down the federal debt. Okay. Mhm. Now, is there something um, 
Is there something that you do other than you used to do, which by sending something to the ACH, or is is that what the Treasury does? Is that part of their process? That ACH, you have to set those accounts up, and then you you oh. just do your payments through there. Now, see that that goes along with people trying to set up a Treasury direct account and do ACHs, but it doesn't work the same. If you set up an ACH just to pay an IRS bill or to do car payments or pay off a car, then it's going to, that ACH hits through the system. I'm going to say there's a 50-50 chance of it going through because they're not really reviewing it. I don't know if they got anything in place to kick that out. That may be why it's beginning to work. Years ago, it wouldn't work. It would get kicked out. But something's happened because there's, there's a couple of people advocate and do that all the time, oh. and I don't know their I don't know their success rate. Maybe it's not that good. Maybe it is. I would say the more people use it, if it's going to start working, it's because they know they're bankrupt and they got to cancel debt. It's just like we did those bonds so much with the IRS. The IRS changed the rule, but now they're back to taking either turn the coupon into a money order or do a registered bill of exchange to the IRS and they'll take it to cancel the debt. Hmm. Okay. You gotta have that one in place. you gotta have that one in place to use that bill of exchange because bill of exchange has to be registered and the IRS doesn't like a promissory note. Okay. All right. So does that answer your question, Genevieve? Yes it does, Dad. Alrighty. And I didn't we confuse you. What? I didn't confuse you. Oh, I didn't say that, but I know you answered. <laughs> no, I'm asking. I'm asking. <laughs> Just checking. Just checking. <laughs> no, I haven't changed a bit, you know. <laughs> I'm so still me. Don't dis- we don't want to be disappointed, okay? So just <laughs> keep it up. All right. Thank you both. All right, Genevieve. Thank you. Okay, we're going to wrap this up now, Coach. All right. So uh, we'll... We'll again resume this next Thursday evening. Are we on for that? Well, it should be. If we're going to do this. All right. So next Thursday, so you guys let your friends know, and we'll convene here and do some more Secure Party Creditor FAQs. So, all right, Coach, thank you very much, and we'll see you guys okay. next week. Good night. Next week. Thank Bye. you. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.